I've cheated and I've lied. I've broke down and I've cried. I've got nothing to hide no more. I've loved and I've hurt. Broken people down with words. More grace than I deserve for sure. Known to be crazy, known to be wild I'm a ass of a little devilish child Give no stranger to the troubles at my door I've been at the wrong place at the wrong time Chasing all the wrong things most of my life And every kind of loss that you can't find But I got one thing right Been the kind of guy girls mamas don't like Running with the wrong crowd on the wrong nights I've been wrong about a million times, but I got one thing right. You Pain. Kept us patient while I changed Never even crossed your mind to walk away When I was getting crazy, reckless and wild Acting like my mom was a little devilish child I'm Donald Wayne and this is Tristalk Minipod for Friday night, April the 30th, 2021 Yes, it's the last day of the month, the uh, last day of April and um, it's just hard to believe that it's going by so quickly. But uh, maybe that's not such a bad thing, considering who, who we have running the country right now. But now it's never a good idea to, uh, you know, wish your life away and, and, and speed up time more than it already uh, goes by on its own. But um, anyway, I appreciate you joining me for another episode of mini pod and uh tonight i'm gonna do something just a little bit different i normally do just one article tonight i have two short ones and one that's you know about the normal length for me and uh, i'm gonna try to do all three of these in in my um, normal time frame because a couple of them I, i call them feel good stories in the sense that it should give you some encouragement that things are starting to happen in this country that makes sense and uh, shows you that people are beginning to uh, show that they're fed up with the way things are being done and they're trying, they're, they're deciding to get things done. So that's the reason I'm trying to do these, um, especially these first two tonight. So let me uh, get my little background music going with that. See if I can get that working properly. All right. And uh, the first one is is real short. I like it though, and uh, I would like to. I would have liked to have been a part of something like this. Uh, this story, uh, all three stories tonight are are really they originate uh, for me on uh, Huckabee's. A newsletter uh, is actually two different editions. Uh, and, and like most times, Huckabee will link you up to a, a, another uh, source for his stories. This particular story, he links you up to a story by Garrett Lewis of KNST AM Radio in Vail, Arizona, I imagine. So uh, anyway, he posted this story 
and it goes hundreds of parents showed up to the Vail Arizona school board meeting recently to demand the board make the wearing of masks in school optional the school board did not want to hear it so they walked out of the meeting even before it happened so the parents under Robert's rule of rules of order voted in a new school board then the new members voted to end the mask requirement in Vail schools the old school board members revealed exactly who they are and that included a, a Republican chairman Chris King now you can watch this video which I, I did tonight before the show and it's it's about six minutes a little over six minutes long um, I think it's interesting it, it takes place right after the school board the existing school board walked out and it looks like a group of people standing in a um, hallway, possibly of a school, or if there's wherever the building is that the school board actually meets. But um, they're standing there, and then I guess the person who is really directing things, he has his uh, phone on and he's, he's he's videoing everything now it could be somebody standing next to him it's kind of hard to tell you never see them but you hear his voice and so he starts um you know saying that let's who wants to run for the school board or who wants to be on the school board and so they start uh, some people volunteer some people are raising their hands and so they go through this crowd of people and some who volunteer and some who say uh, they nominate somebody else and they vote on five different people, new people to be on the school board. And uh, it's, it's really a neat thing. I think there was one person's name that came up, they were voted on and there was a couple of nays to that, but everybody else pretty much went all the way through without any kind of a problem. Uh, so after they got these five people uh, nominated and voted into the new school board, um, this same person says, okay, who will um, propose that we adjourn the meeting? And then somebody said, well, no, wait a minute. Let's go ahead and take care of this school mask, uh, uh, the mask wearing in schools issue. And so they decided they would go ahead and vote on that and they voted it down. So they made it optional to wear mask in the school, which is what they came to the meeting that night to do anyway. And even if the school board, the existing school board, the old school board had stayed in there and listened to them, maybe it could have been handled that way without having to uh, overthrow the old school board. But um, I, I think that's odd that the school board walked out. Maybe they just didn't want to have to deal with the the crowd and maybe the crowd was apparently uh, looked upset or looked determined. Maybe that's what they didn't want to deal with. But I just think it's a neat thing. Uh, you hate that it has to happen in one respect because, you know, these people run for office, people vote for them, uh, school board. And you would think that that should be good, that those people will vote and, and uh, you know, support whatever it is the people who elected them to do. But in this case, it kind of showed what people need to do when the government doesn't do what they're supposed to do for you. 
And I think they were just fed up. So I thought it was neat that they they did what they did. Now, you know, there's no report on whether or not that will stand uh, or if the old school board will contest this and, and maybe take it to court. Um, but, you know, at least for now, uh, those people were happy. And uh, I hope it does stand because it's just something that that elected officials need to remember that it there's only so much that you can screw the people who elect you to office and uh, you know if you push them too far this is the kind of things that you're going to have to deal with so good for them the second story is one that should give you some satisfaction as well it's on a different type of subject a little different issue but it just goes to show it it's kind of an example of hey people if you're going to do this kind of stuff this is what's going to happen uh this story is about dylan shakespeare robinson 23 a blm mostly peaceful protester who helped set fire to a minneapolis police station during a mostly peaceful violent riot He's been sentenced to four years in federal prison, two years of supervised release, and repayment of, get this, $12 million restitution. He was charged with helping tear down the perimeter fence and lighting a Molotov cocktail that another peaceful protester hurled into the occupied building, putting those inside at risk of being burned to death. All of this while other peaceful protesters stood by chanting, burn it down, burn it down. (laughs) He does a a note to Nancy Pelosi. He says, this is what an actual insurgency looks like. Three others have pled guilty to conspiracy to commit arson in connection with the assault, but have yet to be sentenced. Robinson's attorney protested that there is no realistic chance that he'll be able to pay back $12 million. But he can think about how to do that during all the spare time he'll have behind bars, along with, let's hope, reflecting on what he did and how he allowed his passion for justice to justify committing arson of an occupied building. The acting U.S. attorney said that Robinson chose, and chose is an important word to emphasize, these are not children, but adults who should be able to control their behavior, right? To depart from legal protest and commit violence and destruction that put people's lives at risk and contributed to widespread lawlessness. He said, with today's sentence, Mr. Robinson is held accountable for his actions. Since the leaders of BLM keep lecturing us on accountability, I assume they have no objections to this sentence. Note to Democrats in high political positions. If you had dealt with violent rioters this way right at the start by arresting them and holding them accountable for their crimes instead of ordering the police to stand down, refusing to allow federal troops to stop them, blaming Trump for their violence, making excuses for them, contributing to funds to bail them out, or just letting them go the next day to do it again. 
we wouldn't still be dealing with their lawlessness to this day. Maybe they wouldn't be so convinced that they can get away with murder that Antifa, not a terrorist group, but merely an idea, according to Joe Biden, released a video literally threatening to murder Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. It also gave out his home address. The coward making the threat was wearing a mask, but I presume it was hiding the face of a particular individual who has left some sort of trail on the internet that authorities can track. If the feds can take time to raid Rudy Giuliani's apartment just to look for something he might have done wrong, they can find this punk. So get on it. Dylan Shakespeare Robinson needs a cellmate. <laughs> so that's Huckabee's take on that uh, article. So, you know, and that's just one of hundreds, if not thousands of people that uh, pro uh, participated in those protests, quote, last year that resulted in millions and millions of dollars of damages to um, personal and business property last year. All right, let me see if I can get to this uh, last one here. Uh, I'm gonna, I have to change editions um, to get the, the last story. And we're doing pretty good on time here. All right, this last one is, um, it's titled, Government Colluded with Big Tech on Election Censorship. Well, like that's a big surprise to anybody, but it's still worthy of uh, an article anyway. Again, this one is also by Mike Huckabee. He starts out by saying, while we wait for the results of the Maricopa County election audit, there's more being revealed about how the 2020 presidential election was conducted that should concern us all. This story relates to the hair splitting some do when it comes to categorizing social media censorship as actual censorship. That is, the denial of constitutionality protected free speech rights. Virtually everyone would agree that if the government does this, it's censorship. But if a private company such as YouTube or Facebook does it, the argument goes, it isn't. That's their business, we're told. So it's their call. That's what their lawyers maintain anyway. But what if private business and government are working together to censor communication? And what if the communication relates to an election? Judicial Watch announced Tuesday that they have documentation that during the 2020 election, California government officials colluded with big tech to censor social media posts in the United States. State officials apparently pushed social media companies, Facebook, Twitter, Google, and YouTube to censor posts as misinformation. And since they all were members of the same political party, guess which one? This was done. 
A big motivation for Judicial Watch to look into this was that they themselves were targeted in this way, on social media, of course. They've documented that YouTube, owned by Google, was contacted directly by a state official on September the 24th, 2020, and told to remove a Judicial Watch video. According to the Judicial Watch, the video, which concerned voting by mail, was removed three days later. They filed their request for documents under the California Public Records Act after seeing a December 2020 report that revealed the California Office of Election Cybersecurity had surveilled and asked that the social media giants to remove or flag as misleading at least two dozen messages. Once again, the infinitely patient Judicial Watch finally got a response to their request for records, and this time, if was in in the form of 540 pages and a supplemental four pages of documents from the California Secretary of State. Tom Fenton, president of Judicial Watch, now has evidence that SKDK SKD Knickerbocker, a Washington-based communications company that developed the Biden presidential campaign's vote-by-mail program in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, and Wisconsin. There are those states again, Huckabee says, was involved in the censoring of speech during last year's election period. As reported in the Epic Times in a premium story, the company did this by sharing its misinformation daily briefings with California officials who then passed them on to media giants Facebook, Twitter, and Google for dissemination, according to Judicial Watch. The process worked like this. Biden campaign issues something to SKD Knickerbocker, who in turn issues something to California Office of Election Cybersecurity, who in turn issues something to Facebook, Twitter, Google, etc., which results in censorship. Fitton said, these new documents suggest a conspiracy against the First Amendment rights of Americans by the California Secretary of State, the Biden campaign operation, and big tech. He added, these documents blow up the big lie that big tech censorship is private. As the documents show collusion between a whole group of government officials in multiple states to suppress speech about election controversies. A spokesperson for the California Office of Election Cybersecurity described the public private collaboration this way The Office of Election Cybersecurity and California Secretary of State's office monitored and tracked social media posts, decided if they were misinformation stored the post in an internal database coded by threat level and on 31 different occasions requested post be removed. In 24 cases, the social media companies agreed and either took the post down or flagged them as misinformation. At the same time that pesky December report came out, this spokesperson said, we don't take down posts. That is not our role to play. Well, no, they personally 
don't take them down. They simply suggest to the big social media companies who agree with them politically that they take them down. And then social media does the deed. This spokesperson skillfully used language to put a more refined spin on this. We alert potential sources of misinformation to the social media companies and we let them make that call based on community standards they created. But we know how misinformation is defined in today's political climate. It means conservative speech. It has almost nothing to do with objective truth. Here's an example. A Facebook user who implied having voted more than once with multiple ballots had that post taken down on October 31st, 2020. And if anyone posted anything about voter fraud receiving multiple ballots in the mail or seeing thousands of unopened ballots in a dumpster and that was routinely taken down, heck, they're still removing posts that allege voter fraud took place, even posts that offer statistical evidence and comments from cyber experts that support the claim. That type of post is not a misinformation. It's opinion that has not been debunked, no matter what Jimmy Kimmel says. According to Judicial Watch, SKD Knickerbocker lists Biden for president as its top client for 2020. Here's more about SKD Knickerbocker's connection to Biden from a press release dated November 12th of last year, right after the election. I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole different article. Biden's campaign, Biden camp, Biden's campaigns, Anita Dunn, heads back to SKD Knickerbocker. The headline reads, Dunn had been working with President-elect's team before the Democrat primaries began. Before the primaries, Dunn was working at SKDK and part-timing for Biden, but she later took a full-time leave to be part of Biden's campaign. She was in charge of message coordination, in particular with SKDK. At the time this press release was written, the transition period was starting and Dunn was easing herself back into the agency. Dunn has a long history of working on Democrat campaigns, it says, going on to cite her senior staff role during President Obama's 2008 campaign. Read this release. It's an eye-opener when you consider that this person was likely spearheading the work the campaign was doing with state government offices, which in turn collaborated with social media. Something about this smells really bad (laughs) so uh, again that's all in that press release and I'm not going to go into that tonight but um, you know people keep trying people are still working it hard to prove that there was uh, irregularities in last year's uh, 2020 presidential election uh you know and of course with the work that's going on in maricopa county in arizona and i have not heard or seen anything on the internet about uh, democrats being able to stop them again 
So one would have to assume that that's continuing at, as we speak. I should hope so. Um, so maybe we'll get an update on that next week, or, or maybe I can get an update on that before Sunday night's live edition of Trice Talk coming up in a couple of days. So anyway, hopefully uh, one of these stories gives you a little bit of hope. Uh, this last one really is just more finger pointing, but it it does. I mean, there's going to come a point that liberals and Joe Biden's folks are not going to be able to keep pushing back on everything that's being thrust at them. All these little places that they're picking up these pieces of information that just show that things were not the way they were supposed to be last year. Things were truly the way that a lot of us conservatives have felt like they were. There was a lot of shady things going on. Uh, you know, and, and Democrats are really good about uh, camouflaging you know, their activities, or they're good about stating them in such a way where if they ever do get caught um, in a falsehood, you know, they're going to say, well, I didn't say that this wasn't da-da-da-da-da. Uh, of course, I have to say, in all honesty, uh, there are a lot of Republican uh, politicians that are the same way. So it's not, it's, we, we try to be balanced here in the sense that uh, we know that a lot of things that are wrong with this country today, a lot of the things that are wrong with our government are the fact that Republicans weren't doing their job. And there's, you know, there's crooked Republicans as well. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the good thing about 2021 is there's a lot of people that are determined not to rest until they get all the information that they can to show that things were done wrong last year, that uh, illegal things happened, uh, inconsistencies um, occurred with voting. And um, whether or not, well, time will tell how much difference that makes in next year's election. And that's really um, the goal is all these people are trying to get these things, you know, aired out. So there's um, enough ammunition to demand that changes are made before the 2022 elections occur. And these same things happen again, or they could even be worse if they're not fixed. So I think we all need to be grateful that there are people in this country that will not take no for an answer, that will continue to go out there and do what they believe is the right thing to expose the things that were done wrong last year in that election. And again, it's not about trying to get Joe Biden thrown out of office and Donald Trump reinstated as president. That's not the purpose at all. That can't even happen. But we do want to show what was done illegally last year. We do want to show the things that, that should not have happened. Uh, the ballots that disappeared, the ballots that were counted more than once, the ballots of, of 
dead people that were counted, uh, the ballots of people that no longer live in a, in a, a state where their ballot was cast were counted. Even though the Democrats are going to keep saying that didn't really happen. I think eventually they're going to have to accept the evidence that it did. All right. That's it for this episode of Minipod. I'm just, hey, I did three and under, under my normal time. So, um, I hope you got something out of uh, one of those three or hopefully all three. I'll be back again tomorrow night with another mini pod. And, uh, and then of course uh, we'll be back on Sunday night with Trice talk live. Hopefully Dennis Lee will be back in uh, his chair for that podcast. Um, Last night, um, he wasn't able to make it, you know, Thursday night, he wasn't able to make it. So I didn't do a live podcast, but, uh, if he is not here on Sunday night, I uh, hopefully will have a couple of people be able to step in and help me out. And we will do a live podcast on Sunday. All right. Uh, let me switch out of this little Podbeam music and see if I can get back over here to my other selection that I've got to close tonight. So that's pretty much all of my notes here. So I hope everybody has a great Saturday. Um, If you're on the East coast, uh, it's not supposed to rain here until I believe Sunday night or Monday. So maybe you'll have a good day tomorrow weather wise, but other than the weather, I hope everybody has a great Saturday. And remember, no one can define you, but you. Don't ever forget that. Can I tell you something just between you and me? Stay safe, everybody. When I hear your voice, I know I'm finally free. Every single word is perfect as it can be. And I need you here with me. When you lift me up, I know that I'll never fall. I can speak to you by saying nothing at all. Every single time I find it harder to breathe. Cause I need you here with me every day. You're saying the words that I want you to say. There's a pain in my heart and it won't go away. Now I know I'm falling in deep. Cause I need you here with me every day.
Every day.